This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. 2020 English Classic Sale gets underway on Sunday, February the 9th with a catalogue comprising 808 yearlings, 613 in Book 1, 195 in the Highway Session. Book 1 will be sold on the Sunday, Monday and part of Tuesday with the Highway Session following immediately after. 103 stallions will have progeny in the sale with 31 first season sires represented. 734 yearlings are Bob's eligible. Classic sale graduates in recent years include Vow and Declare, She Will Reign, Castle Vecchio, Shadow Hero, Samadout and Yankee Rose. It's a world-class sale at a world-class venue. The 2020 English Classic Sale commencing Sunday, February the 9th at 10 o'clock. You wouldn't expect a Sydney jockey to ride his first Group 1 winner in Melbourne. But that's exactly what you did. Trainer Jim Conlon rang you up to ride a lovely chestnut mare called Miss Penny Money in the Futurity Stakes, ran third. Yeah, that's right, uh, John. Yeah, she she was a good little filly. I, I had um, she was she's well bred. She was out of bold promise. So mm. um, you always like those well bred horses. You always took an interest in them wherever they were racing, wherever they were, um, Sydney, Melbourne, and or wherever. And and her being out of bold promise, who was trained by Sterling Smith. Yeah, Magic Millions winner. Yeah, mm. and um, so you always took an interest in her, so I followed her a little bit, and she was a great filly. And, yeah, then just Jim rang, me, rang up my manager uh, out of the blue, um, and uh, I think if my memory serves me right, Brett Preble rode at the start before the futurity, mm. and uh, he, he'd been quite – Brett's a great rider, but he's very strong and, and he's very whip – uh, he's very strong with the whip. Mm. I think Jim didn't. He thought that that didn't suit the filly. She needed a bit kinder rider. Mm. Um, so yeah, he gave me a call and I went down and rode her in the Futurity. And she was a bit stiff that day. She ran into two horses going places for the Arch Choice and Testarossa. Goodness and, me! Uh, yeah, you couldn't. Uh, then they were the titans of the turf at the at the time. That they, they were the superstars. Of the Arch and Testa. Mm. So, um, she, she had a pretty good form line going back to a handicap at, at the new market. And um, if for a, I've said it a couple of times now, for, for a kid growing up in Wagga that was just obsessed with racing, to win a, win a new market handicap at Flemington yeah. was, was just, yeah, yeah, I just, you couldn't believe it. And, um, yeah, but, it was, but the whole scene, Dan, on the historic Flemington, down that incredible, Straight twelve hundred meters. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing race, and I, I never forget. Jim got uh, the great Roy Higgins to come and talk to me before the race, mm. and um, he, Roy just said to me, "You know what you've got underneath you. She's 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 a great filly, got an amazing turn of foot. She's got a beautiful lightweight. She's handicapped mm. to win." He said, "You just get on her, ride her, ride her, get her a bit of cover," and he said, "Just hang on to her, hang on to her." When you time, when you think it's time to go, hang on to her a bit longer. Did he? And he said, mm. and then when you see that cocktail, let her go. And and that's how the race worked out. And she was very impressive. Mm. What a massive thrill! Yeah, it was. It was 
the in one of the the, the things that sits very very vivid in my memory was coming back to scale. You're coming back to that that Flemington crowd and going up that race. Mm. And I looked beside me, and he was Johnny Patterson, who's been who was a family friend, mm. um, a great mate of Dad's, Clark of the course, and, um, the Clark of the course, mm. and leading me back in. And I just looked at him and I uh, said, geez, I know it doesn't get better than this. Yeah. Johnny Patterson lead me back to scale for me first group one. I said, oh, I hope yeah. we I get a photo. And some they, someone did, and I'd say, I've got a beautiful photo of Johnny mm. leading me back um, under that famous Flemington arch. Yeah. Uh, and it's that mum and dad, yeah. Yeah. You rode Miss Penny Money again, I think twice, in fact, in Sydney. And she was out of a place both times, but you struck wet tracks in Sydney. She was an absolute case for a firm track, wasn't she? She definitely was, John. Yeah, we were a bit stiff. We uh, her first race in Sydney was the Galaxy, and Jim had bring her down for a couple of weeks earlier. And gee, she was—I'd ride her every morning, and I felt she was going really, really well. And we were quietly confident going into the Galaxy, and then on the day of the race, it just poured rain, and yeah, she mm. was hopeless in the wet. Yeah. Well, now we're going to pay tribute to the best horse you ever rode and your all-time favourite, Grand Army, whose 13 wins and 13 placings brought him over $5.3 million in prize money. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, you rode him 12 times for seven wins, which included six Group 1s, the other one was the Group 2 Apollo Stakes. And I think your other five rides on him resulted in seconds, all at group level. Yeah. Was that correct? Yeah, that's correct, John. Yeah, Good. I never finished further back than second on him. He either won or ran second. At, mm. And every time he ran second, a, a champion beat him. It was he, he was an amazing horse. I think he still was Gay's highest ever tech form rated horse. Mm. Um so he's like on statistics or tech form rating his best horse she ever trained and um he he was he was a, he's a great horse and and a champion to me mm. but he uh, he was probably a, a couple of heads off being one of our all-time greats he mm. like he he ran second in another doncaster he could have been by private steer who produced a freakish run he ran second in the BMW at a mile and a half, which was probably one of his best runs of his life. Mm. And um, yeah, he was uh, still to the still to the day up until Winks won her second Queen Elizabeth. Mm. Only Grand Army and Tullick were the only two horses to ever win two Queen Elizabeths. So mm. that's that's just how uh, good a horse he was. Yeah. Mm. Actually, to win consecutive Queen Elizabeths, Tullick and Grand Army. Yeah, they both won back-to-back, which mm. is... Yeah, now, how did you get on him for the first time? Jimmy Cassidy had been riding him, hadn't he? And he was beaten in a race at Rose Hill just before the Randwick Carnival started. Might have been the Ajax Stakes. Yeah. He, um, yeah, I, I don't really know how... It, Jimmy was... Lenny Beasley rode him early days in his first preparation. Mm. And then Jimmy must... I think Jimmy jocked Lenny off for his second preparation. Mm. And, and and that's how good a horse was. He won the Doncaster at the end of his second preparation, mm. Grand Army, mm. uh, lifetime preparation. So um, G- 
Kimmy had been riding him, and um, yeah, he he got to the Doncaster. He only had fifty one and a half, and it was a good Doncaster field. Lon Rowe was in it, and a couple other uh, really good horses. And I I'm, I think Jimmy just didn't thought he couldn't win. Yeah. And he didn't want to ride the fifty one and a half because he could ride fifty fifty one. Jimmy, he's he's like on on his he'd take if he put his he mind to a it. Bit of note. Yeah, mm. put his mind to it, and yeah. he would have had plenty of notice that Grand Army was uh, was running because uh, that was Gay's always Gay's plan mm. to run him in the Doncaster. And um, yeah, I, I remember it distinctly. I, I actually I was just coming off the the weekend before I won the Golden Slipper on Polar Success. Yeah. Um, and then on the Monday morning, I remember going up to the to the hut after track work and. Gay was on the phone and she, you could see she was a bit agitated mm-hmm. and um, she got off the phone and she just looked at me and she said, what way can you ride? And I said, I can ride anyway, Gay. And she said, okay, you're riding Grand Army in the Doncaster. And I said, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Yeah. Yeah, and no, the no, rest, as they say, it. is history. Yeah, yeah. His so first was, Queen Elizabeth yeah, win, Danny, is, uh, is the one that most people remember because... You spoiled the party for Lonro, who was having his final race. And yeah. you put a lot of thought into the tactics you were going to employ on the day. In fact, you plotted Lonro's downfall, didn't you? <laughs> well, he, 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 he had the wood on us. Um, if, if it was just a, a sit-up and sprint, um, he, he was too good for us, Lonro. He, he just had... He was such a dynamic horse with such an amazing turn of foot. Mm. And Grand Army was his biggest asset was um, to get out and roll along and and just keep building on his tempo. Mm. And I just thought it was a it was a small field and there was no leaders. And I thought to myself, if I if I could just maybe get lead on him, and if they left me alone. From the thousand metres, I'm just going to get going. So uh, Lonro didn't have a chance to get up onto my back or use that big sprint. Did you and have to convince a, Gay and the owner Alan Bell? No, not at all. Because one thing with Gay, she always loved her horses up on the speed, and and mm. um, and and they were they were thinking along the same path were they? as yeah. me. As and we were all on the same page. So no, we we more or less plotted it out uh, together. And um, yeah, as it worked out, they it, it couldn't have gone to script any better because they didn't just leave me alone early. They let me walk. I, I reckon I went even to about fourteen or fifteen to the furlong for the first three furlongs, and then I got down, getting down towards that um, thousand meter turn, and then I just started. Okay, we just pick it up and ramp and it up. By the time I was yeah, mm-hmm. by the time I got down to the six hundred, I was about five or six in front. And how were you travelling? Yeah, I still had plenty of horse. He was just mm. still building, and so I thought, I thought unless Lonro's, I wasn't looking behind me, and I thought, but I, I was thinking to myself, unless Lonro's about three lengths behind me, there's no way he's going to get me today. Mm. And um, yeah, the old horse just kept building and building, and he just kept getting stronger. He he was very very good at at Ramwick. That was his like, as his home track, and that was his favourite track, and he knew where he was going. Mm. It was a wet track. We had to get to the the outside, but that that he used to gallop there um, every, most mornings when he when he'd done his gallop, he'd gallop on the outside of the course proper. So he mm. didn't. He knew where he was. Like, yeah. 
he knew where he was going, yeah. So, mm. yeah. Now oh. to Victory Vane, trained by the late Bede Murray, a champion two-year-old filly with an extraordinary what? record, Dan, 27 starts, Amazing. 12 wins and three seconds, 12 out of 27. Your first yeah. go was a win in the Silver Slipper, then you won the Sweet Embrace, then you won the Magic Knight, and into the Golden Slipper you went with great confidence. Too confident, yeah. possibly? Too confident, John, yeah. Mm. She was an amazing filly. She wasn't big. There was there was nothing of her. Mm. And um, it, was, it was quite amazing. I didn't ride her early, early days uh, before Christmas. I was in Macau, actually. And I'd just come back from Macau, and my manager, who's... One of my best mates, Graham Hadrick, he said to me, I've got you on a filly of Bede Murray's. She's only been winning those. They, remember when they had those 800-metre races on the Kensington track? Yeah. She won, she won a couple of those. And he said, no, everyone thinks she's a speedy squib, but he said, I'm telling you, she's the real deal. Mm. So he was the first one to uh, sort of... Recognise her talent. To her, uh, yeah, to her ability. He was and, a good judge then, Dan. Yeah, he was. Yeah, no, as as time's gone by, he's he's one of my best best friends still to this day. Yeah. What yeah, what manager was that? His name was Graham Hadrick. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, he trained for a little bit for for his uh, for a time, but he he always worked around the stables. He he worked for Lesbridge and he worked for Pat Webster and he worked for some great trainers. So he had a lot of lot of knowledge and. Um, mm. Um, yeah, we, we had a great time when he, he was my manager. But going back to Victory Vane, yeah, I rode her in the Silver Slipper. Mm. And um, then, the, the as you say, the... Sweet Embrace. Sweet Embrace and the Magic Knight. And she was so dominant. She was by far and away the best two-year-old of, of her year. And, uh, yeah, I, the, the Golden Slipper still haunts me. She, she should have <laughs> won. I, I just rode her too confident. I drew a bit of a awkward gait. And I started her up, and I still remember it as clear as day. Um, I got her into a good position, um, and a filly of Gary Portelli's comes. She come from across from the outside gate. I can't remember her name, but she was very fast, and I always knew it would lead. Um, and then I seen Chrissy Munts in the Cuenco colours on Snowland coming across, and uh, I should have let him go. And then I just would have been in the in the one out one back. In trotting terms, uh, yeah. position, but I, I kicked up and held him out. I thought, oh, she's she she's. I rode it overconfident and thought I'll just put her up out of trouble. And I sat up yeah. outside the leader, and um, then I shot away. And then Callaway Gal got me right on the line. Callaway so, Gal, ridden by Scott Seymour, who was on the crest yeah. of a winning wave at that time, and blow me down. He rode four winners on that slipper day. Yeah, it was yeah. He was just he he had like a unbelievable two or three years there, Scott, and and he he just was riding. He was riding in amazing form, and he was yeah, just had one of those runs where it was he just set himself up. Dan, were you dirty on yourself for a few days after that slipper? I was just very disappointed, John, because I, I all I ever done was. Like when you're riding in Sydney, that's the race you want to win. You want to win the slipper. Mm. And um, to think that I come so close and I, I thought, well, there, there's my slipper. That's 
that's yeah. the one that's got away. Like, will I ever, ever be able to ride another horse as good as her in the slipper? And I was thinking, I probably that probably won't ever happen because, as I said, she was the best two-year-old of her year by far. Mm. And uh, I just thought, I'll never get another opportunity like that, and I, and I blew it. Yeah. Did you ever admit to Bede Murray that you may have cost her the slipper? Uh, yeah, after I won the size on her. <laughs> uh, it took you a week. It took you two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, after yeah. I got her a group one, then I said, oh, I might have made a blue in that slipper. Uh well, he, if he listens to the podcast in heaven, I'm sure yeah. he, he'll make note of what you've said in this interview. But she made up for that slipper defeat, Danny, because she won the sires, she won the champagne stakes, she led in one and she came from well back in the other. Yeah, she was, as I said, John, she was the best two-year-old by year and it's a kind shame she didn't win the slipper because she deserved to have that triple crown beside her name. Mm. And uh, yeah, in the size, she drew a bad gate, and we went back on her, and she was she was devastating. She won one very easy, and then she backed up in the champagne. And as I said earlier, there was nothing of her. Jeez, she was a little filly, mm. and um, she a mile was was right at her limit, and I led on her in the mile, and I remember her stable mate Half Hennessy mm. come up beside her, and he was a big, big, strong colt. In dwarfed her, Did he? and I reckon he he just about headed her, and she fought back and and beat him. Yeah, mm. she was gee, she was tough. She was little, but she was tough. She came back as a spring three year old. She won the Silver Shadow. She won the Furious Stakes. She won the T Rose Stakes. Then she ran second in the Flight, and then it was eighteen months before she won again. In fact, it was her one and only win. Uh, thereafter, yeah, and um, it was in the Triscay Stakes. That was her last win. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She, she, she. Um, in her three-year-old year, she come back good early, mm. and as I said, in the Champagne, she she couldn't really run a mile, and that that was evident in the flight. She got beat, and then she went to Melbourne and ran in thousand guineas, and she ran okay, but a bit plain, mm. and then um, ran her in the Vars at Mooney Valley mm. and um, it, that that race killed her and she was never the same after that because really? she probably had had enough and um, and and 2000 was 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 not her goal. way beyond her and wasn't it yep way beyond her and, and that 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 race that race killed her she even when she won the Tristark she was coming off like a really long break I think if my memory serves me correctly she Came back in the autumn, the first autumn, as an autumn three-year-old, and she ran. She was pretty disappointing in a couple of runs. So then mm. Beats spelled her, and she nearly had a year off. Yeah. And then she come back in the following autumn as a four-year-old mare, mm. and she won the Tristark first up with a big weight. Mm. Um, but then then she was competing in all the, in the, the Group 1 races, there, and she just was about three or four lengths short of them. Absolutely. Yeah, which yeah. was a bit of a shame, but she was a great... Uh, as I said, as a two-year-old, she, there was none better. We'll just pause for a moment on segment two of our podcast with Danny Beasley to clear this commitment back short. The autumn stars are starting to twinkle as the month of February heralds in some big-name races. Saturday the 8th is at Warwick Farm, hosting the $2 million Inglis Millennium for two-year-olds and the $1 million Inglis Sprint 
for three-year-olds. Saturday the 15th at Royal Randwick features the Apollo Stakes and the Light Fingers, both at Group 2, supported by the Group 3 Southern Cross and Triscay Stakes. Then we go to Rose Hill Gardens on the 22nd for three features, the Hobartville, the Silver Slipper and the Millie Fox, all at Group 2. The February Spectacular winds up on the 29th with two Group 1s, the Chipping Norton and the Surround Stakes, plus the Guy Walter and the traditional Golden Slipper lead-ups, the Sweet Embrace and the Skyline Stakes at Group 2. Also during the month, the first of the Country Championship qualifiers will be run at Coffs Harbour, Nowra, Albury and Taree. Yet another amazing Sydney Autumn Carnival is up and running. Polar's success was able to do something that Victory Vane couldn't. She won the 2003 Golden Slipper for Graham Rogerson uh, with Danny Beasley on board beating How Funny and Hasna. And in this particular slipper, you had the right run. Yeah, she did, John. I wasn't going to make the same mistake twice. She was going terrific, and Graham trained her trained her perfectly for the for the race. She was she really peaked on the day, and she was just a real two year old. Um, uh, that was just that was her. She was she wasn't that big, but she was a strong little filly, and she had all the great attributes. She had great barrier speed, and she'd put herself up out of trouble. And we the whole preparation went perfectly, and um, yeah, she just bounced across, and I crossed them pretty easy, and then. Um, Exceed and excel, and uh, uh, something else come from the outside. And mm. I wasn't making the same mistake twice, so I let them go, and I had a Took really a good run. Yeah. And, and then she, uh, yeah, she won. So, yeah, I, it was something that just after the year before, it was such a satisfying win. It was, yeah, I, I remember going back to the jockey's room, and I found a quiet space, and uh, I really had to like just take a few deep breaths and just You felt emotional. Because, yeah, it was mm. very emotional for us, yeah. Dan, she wasn't the best filly to ever win the Golden Slipper and it wasn't the strongest Golden Slipper of all time. But she was in the right place at the right time, wasn't she, in, in that order? Definitely. Yep. Yeah, you couldn't say it any better than that, John. That's correct, yeah. You were around the mark a few times in the Slipper. You ran fourth on Phoenix Park. You ran third on Red Hannigan, second on Victory Vane, and you won on Polar Success. And I'll tell you another interesting cult you rode in a slipper, Written Tycoon, who is now a champion stallion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I did. I Written Tycoon, uh, obviously he was trained by Graham Begger, my old boss, and um, mm. I'd done all the work on him and all these trials before his first run. And uh, the week before he was supposed to run, I got suspended at Randwick, and uh, I was very disappointed because I knew he was going to run the following week, and and he ran and he won with Nash on him, and then he, I think he had one more run before the slipper. I can't remember if I rode him or Nash rode him, but then I got back on him in the slipper. Yeah. But um, in in the slipper, uh, he he ran, ran well, but in the straight, all he wanted to do was was hang out mm. and as it as after that it, um, it, it was found that he had the chips in his knee so obviously going into the, the slippery might have um, had an issue or something like that but mm. I remember he wasn't the same horse that day didn't yeah. he still ran all right he ran credible he wasn't beaten that far 
Mm. But I knew he wasn't quite right. Just wanted to get up the track, as we say. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Mm. But he he was a very good horse. I remember before his first race and we trialled him and we both, me and Graham, we were pretty Mm. confident that he was going to go out and win his first start. And um, it's no surprise to see him. He was such a beautiful looking animal and um, very fast, good two-year-old, good, strong boned horse. It was um, no surprise to see him be success at start. There were other Group 1 highlights in Sydney, including a Metropolitan on Victory Smile. You won an Ansett Stakes on Tempest Morn. You won a Flight Stakes and a Sires Produce on Fashions Afield. And another good filly you rode was Tuesday Joy. I don't think you won a Group 1 on her. You did win a Wakeful Stakes. You ran second in a Victorian Oaks and she was placed in the AJC Oaks and the Derby. Yeah, she she was. I I was riding her in a like a early years that three year old season, and um, she she always showed that she was a very big filly, very immature, mm-hmm. and she was always going to be better as she got older, which which proved to be the case. She she had a great career, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she was a bit stiff in that she was around the the year of Miss Finland in the the um. Her free run, Miss Finland had the wood on her a couple of times in the Oaks and uh, a race at Rose Hill. Um, but it, it was, she was, uh, yeah, she was wake, I won the wakeful on her. She, she was yeah. very good that day. Mm. And, um, yeah, she was, she was a great mare as it, as it worked out. And um, mm. that, that was, that I, I wrote her, like, because John Singleton owned her and um, he was a great supporter and I rode exclusively for John there for a couple of years, which was um, which was, was a very Gratifying. good experience. And mm. Yeah. One of the most satisfying things I've done in my career was when John was still heavily involved in the Magic Millions, I was able to win on a filly called Mirror Mirror mm. for him and Jerry Rose. Yeah. And, um, and as I said, John was still heavily involved in Magic Millions in those days and uh, he got a big buzz out of winning that race. So, mm. um, yeah, had a... A lot of good times with John. Now, the Summer Cup certainly isn't a Group 1 and we normally wouldn't be highlighting it in an interview like this, but it's a nice little Group 3 race run at Randwick on Boxing Day. And, Dan, I, I haven't checked the historic feature of this, but you may be the only jockey to have won four Summer Cups. Cattle and Prince, Zanetta, Stowaway, and Aqua de Moor. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure myself, but um, yeah, it was funny. But I had my first ever ride in a race on Boxing Day, mm. and it uh, was always a good, always a good day to me. Yeah, I had the luck of uh, very fortunate to win four summer cups, and and a couple of those, those horses there were were pretty good horses there, mm. uh, Aqua de Moor and um, yeah, Zanetta and Stowaway, and things, and of course Catelyn Prince. Catelyn Prince was my first group winner I, I mm. think so um and for david lee and special and uh yeah mick castle is uh, yeah he's a good old horse now to singapore where you rode 500 winners the best of them you tell me was war affair on whom you won three group ones he was a new zealand bred he was by o'reilly he won a total of 17 races for more than three million dollars, he was obviously a very talented horse. Yeah, he, he's, he's Johnny. He's 
he's actually still going around and he's he's down to run in the Chinese New Year Fortune Bowl Cup uh, mm. this this coming weekend. So he's about nine year old now and he's he's seen mm. better days. Um, but he, as a three year old, four year old, he was phenomenal. He was um, he was pretty much nearly unbeatable. Um, the only I think he only he met with defeat in the Gold Cup, which um, twenty two hundred he probably just didn't quite run. Um, and then he got beat in the Derby the following year at two thousand metres. But so they, those obviously getting out in those trips being by O'Reilly found his limits. But anything from six furlongs to uh, eighteen to nine furlongs, he was nearly unbeatable. And um, in that three and four year old year, I was. was like um, if he had travelled international, internationally, he would have held his own because he he was he was a bomb. Mm-hmm. Dan, you've got a sixteen-year-old son Baxter with your first wife Karen, and a second family in Singapore, which now comprises an eight-year-old boy, a seven-year-old daughter, and a second daughter, two and a half months old. Now your wife <laughs> Ash right. is of Malay origins. So I can't see you returning to Australia in the near future. How do you see things playing out long term? Yeah, like the, that's the, the near future, or the the near future is definitely here in Singapore, John. Especially while the kids will be going to school, um, the the schooling and and the life over here is very good for bringing up family. So that that will be definitely my future for the next next uh, chapter of life. But once the kids are grown up and and uh, on their way, it's, yeah, you never know where where that path. Hopefully, I'm still around because mm. I'll be be uh, getting on a bit by then. But oh um, <laughs> you, you, you're now 44, just to bring people up to date. Yeah, well, the, well, once the kids go to school, I'll be getting up there. But anyway, we we'll stay fit and we'll we'll keep active. And I think that's the secret of uh, longevity, isn't it? Got to stay active. Oh, mate. And, uh, you, you've you've got to have a reason to get out of bed. You do, yeah. One thing about um, our beautiful industry, working with these beautiful animals, it's never hard when that alarm goes off to get out. When you know you're going to work to um, work with these animals, like um, mm-hmm. that's one thing um, I've felt where I've been so lucky in my life. I've never felt like I've worked. <laughs> Every day I've got up and whether it being a jockey to the job I'm doing now, it's never felt like work to me. It's it's always just something that I've loved to do and, and still to this very day. It uh just you you uh it, that alarm goes off so you really you don't really need it. You're just up and out and you just can't wait to get to the stables to, to see them, you know. It's um yeah. They're an amazing animal, and they've gave me so much, and the racing industry's gave me so much, and for that, I'm forever grateful. The great old Warwick Farm trainer Sid Brown summed it up best yeah. of all. Sid, I might add, is now in his early nineties and still going strong. Uh, he yeah. was uh, he was one of those trainers who'd be first at the track. Uh, he used to yeah. get up at two thirty. Sid. And he was telling me one day, he said, uh, I might just for a moment or two if the wind was howling and the rain was tumbling down, I might think, oh, I'd like to stay in here today. But he said, the moment my feet hit the floor, I was off and running. Yeah. 
That's the way he put it. And as I say, 91, 92, hale and hearty, and still talking about all the great horses he trained. Yeah, now, Dan, he's one of the Tindy, he's oh, a great horseman. He's, he's yeah. a marvel. You've always been a great harness racing fan, and I can remember the yeah. days when you'd spend your days off driving track work for Darren Hancock down at Pheasant's Nest. Now, trotting is one thing you'd be missing in Singapore. Yeah, I do, John. That's, uh, you, there's, you get homesick because there's a lot of things at home that, that they don't have up here. And, and one thing that was very close to my heart was the, the trots and even the greyhounds. I love racing. Mm. Um, of uh, any of the animals, and um, so I do miss that a lot. But like with the uh, today's technology, you can still watch it, but it's still not quite the same as being there live. But mm. yeah, you know, I used to love going down to Darren's property. He's a great friend, and he's actually up here a couple of months, and we mm. got to catch up. So Good. Uh, that was that was great. But um, yeah, I miss the trots. So I I used to love going to Harold Park. It was nothing better of a Friday night, mm. and. Um, Got to see some great horses, and and I used to get to went went we with park a lot of Saturday nights also. So you were not a that I was. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was never really a punter, but I just loved I loved racing. I, yeah. I loved seeing seeing the horses and the and the dogs, and um, yeah, just I was yeah just mad on on racing. It's something that mm. I grew up. I remember watching as a kid. You'd you'd of a Saturday night, yeah, or Friday night. Sorry, you'd. I think they used to show like the Daily Double or something on yeah ABC on television ABC mm. and yeah I remember sitting up as a kid Goodness and you'd me. watch the watch the Daily Double from Arrow Park and mm. so it was something that was instilled in me at a very young age and um, yeah I, it's something I do miss up up here but um, yeah it's. Uh, it's but all that's changed too now. If I was at home, I you wouldn't be able to go to Arrow Park. It's, out at um, an angle now, so all yeah. the new tracks and the and the racing's pretty different. Now, Dan, regulars to these podcasts will want me to ask this question. You mentioned this fellow's name a short time ago, Lenny Beasley. You were both riding in Sydney at the same time years ago, and most people thought you would have to be related. Yeah. It was just every, everyone just thought we were brothers, and and uh, the Lenny would have been the same. There, there wouldn't have been a race meet and go past where someone like would mention it, like either ask or or just say it. It would be it would be quite humorous, like um, like people would just take it for granted that we were, and um, like there'd be owners come up and just say, "Oh, I was I was talking to your brother yesterday," or. I was, or your yeah. brother rode for me yesterday. And sometimes you just let it go, and then other times you just say, no, actually, he's not my yep. brother. But, um, yeah, some days you just say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and just let it go. No relationship whatsoever, is there? No, no relationship. Nothing. If, if no, there no is, it would be very remote. Yeah, yeah, we, we sort of looked at it one or two times, but we could never really come up with a connection. But mm. he is a good fellow and a great rider, Lenny. Like, geez, he had a, he had a good career too. Well, Danny rode 15 Group 1 winners, uh, Lenny Beasley, before weight yeah. overpowered him. And, you know, he's still riding regular track work at Warwick Farm, but he's a lot bigger yeah, than I you. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. And, and that was the thing where the, I was very lucky, John. I didn't ever have a weight trouble, but Len always had a, had a bit of a weight issue. 
mm. and um, and and unfortunately that that shortened his career. But um, he mm. is a very good rider, Len. Very good. Well, Danny, as I said in the intro, a lot of people ask after you, and I'm sure this podcast will bring your many friends and fans right up to date with what you're doing as 2020 dawns. It's been great to catch up. And if I get to Singapore at any time in the future, you may take me to dinner at the famous Raffles Hotel, which has been on my bucket list for many years. I've never been to Raffles. They tell me it's expensive. Yeah, it is expensive, yeah, so we'll have to toss the coin to see who pays. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it'll be right, John. I'll, we might even take Mr Lim along. He, he might be able to get the bill for us. He could afford it more than both of us. Yeah, Mr Lim, who's got one-third of your team currently and uh, eight two-year-olds purchased in Australia last October. I hope there's a champion amongst them, Danny. A champion you like yourself, much, son. I would love to... Um, if if you did ever get to Singapore, I'd, it'd be I'd be more than honoured to to um, take you take you to Raffles for dinner. It'd be a true highlight. You'll be the first bloke I ring when I get there. That'll be great. Danny, been a delight to catch up, mate. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, and keep up the good work. Thank you very much, John. It's been a great pleasure, and as I said at the start of the. The interviewers, these podcasts are a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing that um, it, it gives uh, the the whole industry, as you said, it, people. I'm sure a lot of industry people love to listen to them. And um, John, you've been a, a wonderful ambassador for racing, and and your career is second to none. And it's um, just very humbling that uh, you chose me as your guest this week. So thank you very much. My pleasure, Danny Beasley, and this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.